you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to another weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. E3 was last week, not even this past week, but I did want to get a debrief on what went on there. So I had to wait for everyone to get back from E3. And Brian Heater of TechCrunch is here today to file a report. Where is gaming in this transition period to streaming? What were the headline games announced at E3? What about Project Scarlet? Please enjoy. So you had been to um, E3s before, right? Yeah, this was something like I think my seventh or eighth at this point. Just in a really broad way, like um, was was this year's different than than previous years? How did it feel there on the floor, as it were? Sure, it's been a really it's been an interesting show over the past ten or fifteen years. I guess however long it's been going, from the standpoint that it tends to ebb and flow. I think more than any other show, we talk about that a lot during CES. You know the changes that it's going through, how mm. um, you know some of the larger companies have backed out, and it's you know transitioned to smaller startups, things like that. But uh, I, I haven't seen any other shows of this scale that have expanded and contracted the way E3 has. A few years ago. It, it went through this major transition where it just became essentially a series of beatings. Um, I wasn't at those years, but I think they were kind of basically doing them out of hotel rooms. So all those really large over the top booths that, you know, companies like Nintendo and Microsoft have were, were pretty much non-existent. Obviously it's come back in a, a pretty substantial way over the last few years. Um, the primary difference this year from the standpoint of attendance, well, actually let me back up a second. So uh, the other major transition that it's gone through is it's turned into something that kind of skirts the line between a professional and consumer show. Um, it, in some ways, the closest thing the closest show that i attend to e3 is probably comic-con i was gonna I've, say that yeah yeah which you know I've, I've, i go to the new york one pretty much every year and i've been to, to san diego a handful of times and it really has become kind of a fan fest which is good from the standpoint that you know it's great that that it's not closed off and that these you know huge mega fans get to be there at these events and you know interact with the companies things like that but it's kind of chaotic from the standpoint of actually attempting to get from point a to point b um you know when you've got when you've got a meeting in in uh in south hall and you're in north hall it can be kind of a nightmare everybody's walking around with their phones but that's just sort of me being a seasoned person who's been through a lot of these and uh, has has a lot of complaints um they also tend to more so than other consumer electronic events although you will see this with um Samsung and, and even Apple, they tend to pack the press conferences full of not only their own employees, but, but mega fans as well. So, um, you know, if you watch like the Square press conference, for example, there was nothing really major announced except for a handful of Final Fantasy remasters and a very lackluster looking Avengers game. But every single piece of minutia got a huge cheer. Um, the, dip, the biggest difference this year, however, between, say, this year and last year was the absence of Sony. Um, 
you really felt it in the North Hall. It was just one massive booth that wasn't there. There was just kind of a, a very large spatial difference. And, and then obviously the fact that uh, Sony didn't have a press conference this year was was big as well. Um, so that was one of the big three gone. Nintendo over the past few years has really transitioned from having their own in-person press conference to uh, something they call Nintendo Direct, which is basically a bunch of kind of pre-recorded vignettes and trailers that, that they tend to show, which which tend, which works perfectly fine, um, you know, especially on years like this where there wasn't any new hardware to announce. It, it, it essentially, it has the same effect, but they were, they were very much there in terms of presence. They had a, a huge booth and, um, you know, a handful of games. I, I spoke to uh, one of their executives while I was there and, and got some hands-on time with a few of the new titles as well. Um, all the headlines, because I'm not super deep in the gaming space, but sure, all of the headlines were about this, you know, people talking about their, their coming streaming systems and, and subscription plays and things like that. Mm-hmm. But there, there wasn't actually that much tangible for you to actually see at E3, right? It was all about, it was all about announcing stuff, but you can't actually see anything yet. Yeah, I mean, E3's, E3's a weird show. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a hardware guy I, uh, in terms of, of what I do at TechRunch and in terms of what I've done for the last several years, um, which, which, which means that, um, you know, unless it's like a new uh, VR headset or a new console, which, you know, those come out once every, what, like eight or ten years at this point, it seems like, um, there, there's not... There's not that sort of hands-on time. Um, you know, it's really just kind of games to, to play through. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're you're right insofar as all of these plays are essentially being announced for the second half of the year. Um, I don't have any dates in front of me, but, um, you know, I think we're talking like October, November timeline for um, – for Stadia and xCloud, which is uh, Microsoft's play. Right. Um, so it's really, I mean, you know, this is a huge platform. Um, this is, I think, still the biggest uh, game show of the year. The, don't quote me on that. So, you know, this is really kind of the opportunity for them to get out in front of everything. And, and uh, Google didn't have a booth or much of a presence at the show, but they did their big event the Friday before, which they were clearly kind of trying to take the wind out of everybody's sails. Um, and it worked as far as Microsoft was concerned. Their, their their press conference, which again was the only of the big three with an actual in-person press conference, was was kind of strange in that you know it was it was a few dozen game trailers and then kind of uh, squeezed into the last few minutes of the show. They announced um, Game Pass for PC. They talked about XCloud for about two or three sentences and then unveiled their uh, Project Scarlet, which is their upcoming next generation console. And all of that unfolded in the space of probably under five minutes. I think I think I read or something that you saw an xCloud demo was that a like a hands-on demo or you just saw them uh demonstrate it yeah so microsoft does this this kind of fun thing um so uh, I, I don't know how well you know los angeles but um so that downtown area right next to um the, the convention center the, the freeway is right down there and uh there's also the god what do they call it like the it's basically where they, they hold the Grammys and um, the Staples Center, which is uh, where the Lakers play. And then there's the the uh, Microsoft Theater or Xbox Theater, I think it's called, which is where they do their event. So they, they do their big unveiling one day and then they 
um, have it rented out for the next week. So you can essentially kind of walk into that area and get hands on time. So we, we did, we got a demo. Um, I, I, I can't remember which, which game it was. I, I played a lot of games that week, but, uh, yeah, we, we got a demo of it. It was, um, playing on, uh, uh, galaxy s10 devices with a little controller attached and um it seems great uh lucas who has a little more experience he's actually played with stadia which i haven't at this point um you know said there was a little bit of lag but but honestly it wasn't enough that would really i think have a, a, a serious impact on your gameplay now, now the question is um what sorts of you know underlying technologies they're using here and, and how different that's going to be when there are a lot of people on the service you know there's there's going to be a lot of constraints that they're going to have to deal with and i suspect that we're really talking about 5g i think is going to be the thing that really that, that pushes these things forward yeah i think you uh when you were speaking with some microsoft reps like they're saying this push towards all cloud-based gaming is probably inevitable but it's still probably also a ways off in microsoft's calculation at least yeah, well, I mean, you know, you would say that too if you were working on a, on an eight hundred dollar <laughs> console, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's I think that's that's fair for a lot of reasons. One, I think people are still interested in buying this hardware, and the idea, God, given the amount of people that that play games, the idea of going to exclusively to cloud seems just completely nuts at this point. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of very kind of pragmatic technological barriers that need to be overcome to really get there. So what to, to what degree are all the players, like, you know, the, the actual studios and things like that, thinking that uh, moving to the cloud and streaming is an inevitability as well? Uh, the, the writing seems to be on the wall. Um, the, the are they are they talking about that? Like when you're on the floor, is that like the sense that the industry is on the verge of a major transition? I, I I think so. Um, you know, I mean, once you get all these big players in there, and and we've the dominoes have fallen from the standpoint of every single other kind of major form of media. So um, you know, obviously, uh, music streaming was the first to really to really get there. Um, we've we've since gotten there with with movies through you know Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, and things like that. So it it, just, it makes sense that at the very least that I think the the writing is on the wall for subscription services certainly. So you know Game Pass going forward, um, Apple's ar- arcade going forward, and I think we're finally at a point where the technology for streaming is there to give people a pretty a reasonably good gaming experience and getting somebody like. Um, so somebody like like Google and Microsoft in, in play here, I think, is going to have a major effect. You know, we've been seeing so on live. We've seen a lot of these companies over the past decade attempt this. We've seen a lot of startups attempt this. But when you're talking about companies with with the infrastructure and the you know the 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 hosting services of Microsoft and Amazon, I think it's pretty clear that we're we're getting there at least from the standpoint of having a certain reasonably large percentage of your gaming happening through the cloud. Um, I'm, I'm totally ignorant of this stuff, but I'm assuming Sony's probably going to do streaming as well at some point if they haven't already announced their plans. Yeah, they, they, um, they, they do, they do have a subscription offering, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they're getting there as well, but I, they don't, um, you know, they, they don't really, at least here in the States, they don't have the same kind of, um, large-scale infrastructure that, uh, you know, a, a Google, Microsoft, or Amazon have. I mean, those are, those are very much enterprise companies. 
so they had the back end to really to, to handle this. So the question is um, whether they would, you know, build themselves or work with an Amazon or, or somebody else. How do you make a password that's strong enough so no one will guess it and it's impossible for you to forget and do it for a hundred different sites and make it so everyone in your company can do the same without ever needing to reset them? Sounds impossible unless you have one password. More than any other product I've ever told you about, I can vouch 1000% for one password. I can't live without it. One password makes strong security easy for your people and gives you the visibility you need to take action when you need to. Any device, any time, one password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. One Password's award-winning password manager is trusted by millions of users and over 100,000 businesses from IBM to Slack. It beat out 40 other options to become Wirecutter's top pick for password managers. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash ride. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com slash ride. I'm going to a big AI startup demo day here in the city tomorrow, and I will 100% be decked out in Mack Weldon clothing. Why? Well, Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their Airnet underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer, their Silver Crewneck t-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. And Nintendo says it's evaluating it, but then like even the publishers are kind of dipping their toe into this idea of, of subscriptions and services as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do think I, it's important to make that distinction. Um, I think I probably muddied the waters a little bit in, in my piece and, and a lot of the ramps have as well from the standpoint of, you know, when we're talking about Google Stadia, we're talking about a service that really kind of splits the, the difference here that is both a streaming uh, th- that's a streaming service with a subscription element, um, you know, I think something like $10 a month, but we don't know exactly how that's going to work right now. And one of the interesting things to bring up here is the fact that uh, uh, Ubisoft announced a service during their event, um, which I think is going to be like $15 a month, which is completely nuts. But um, that will work through Stadia. So, I mean, that's going to be kind of interesting to see where the the, the line is drawn. But for for publishers and developers, for Nintendo, this certainly, um, maybe not streaming, but subscription certainly makes a lot of sense because they've absolutely got the the back catalog and the library to do it. And I, I think the idea of paying $10 a month to 
you know, have access to every Mario game on your Switch makes a lot of sense. Right. So uh, that's what it is. There's there's two different channels here. There's the the concept of I can game on any screen, like it, even a dumb screen, because the gaming is actually on the cloud. And then the second channel is this idea that as opposed to buying shrink wrap boxes, you pay a monthly fee and you get access to a certain number of games, right? That's right. And and um, another important reason is to draw this distinction, and th- this is something that we came out that, with that I don't think was highly reported until uh, I talked to one of the Microsoft, not, Mike, excuse me, Microsoft execs towards the end of the week, which is the fact that um, Microsoft is also drawing a line between xCloud, their streaming, ser- streaming service, um, and game uh, console streaming from from the Xbox One. So uh, that's going to be a similar service, but instead of having it happening on, you know, Microsoft machines on a server somewhere, you could actually potentially be anywhere in the world and (laughs) stream a game directly from your Xbox to, you know, your your iPhone, for example. Um, so, you know, the analogy, we we even mentioned, like, this is where all the industries seem to be going. So I guess it's an inevitability that we're going to eventually have the same problem that people are already worried about for, for video streaming services. Like, are you going to have to get six different subscriptions? Um, but like you, I think in one of somebody's piece, they pointed out that like, it's an even bigger issue on the gaming front. It's not just, well, you know, I want to watch Friends, but Friends is on that service over there. Mm-hmm. Like, if, you, if you've invested time in a game, like, you've had progress in that game that you've invested in. You might have bought actual microtransactions. Yeah. And stuff. So, like, if you have to move between different platforms, like, it's different than I can't access a movie. It's like, <laughs> we're getting into weird questions of ownership here. Yeah, I, I, I talked about that in, in the piece. Um, I think it even goes beyond that. I mean, Friends is a, is a good example because it, you'll notice that there, there's an easy story that a lot of sites do. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is spiritual. Like, I, I, I totally get why people do this. But there's that you'll see that story come out once a month from a lot of different entertainment and tech sites. The um, Here's all of the uh, movies and shows that are leaving Netflix. And that's something that we're going to have to grapple with here, right? Publishing deals lapse and companies are um, only interested in having things for a certain amount of time. You know, maybe there's like a a sequel to a game that's coming out. Uh, You know, say there's like a new Assassin's Creed coming out. So um, Game Pass wants to get access to all the the Assassin's Creed. But yeah, the question is, if you've invested a lot of money um, and then it goes away from the service, what is what happens, which is something that I put to these Game Pass executives. And um, essentially what they told me was that people with uh, who subscribe to their service will get a discount to purchase the game, um, which makes sense from their standpoint in that I don't think they want game ownership to go away in the same way that record labels don't want uh, downloads to go away, right? Like in an ideal world for them, you're listening to these things on Spotify, and if you really love them, you're gonna you're gonna purchase them. But um, you know, maybe games are similar to albums in that way, in that you're you know you'll go back and listen to an album numerous times. But they're very different from Netflix in the way that for most of us, you know, we watch a movie and we're done with that movie at least for some time you know if you're Mm -hmm. if you're over the age of 12 you're you know you're probably not watching the same movie week in and week out right 
Um, although that's an argument for being able to own <laughs> own kids' movies, at least. Um, yeah. So, like you said, you're you're more of a hardware guy. So, um, uh, based on the limited details that uh, were released, <laughs> what did you think of Project Scarlet? Uh, if, I mean, the, the, the specs are impressive. Um, you know, I'm going to assume that in a couple years we're going to be at at 8K, but it's it's always it's always hard to say with sets, you know, as at CS this year and we saw like several 8K uh, screens, but it, that seems like a number of years off. Um, I, 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 too early to say, you know, obviously like I've, I've always been, my, my, my dirty secret is I'm not much of a gamer myself either, but I've always been, you know, t- titles over hardware when it comes to most of these things. So I think when we're at a point where the only thing that's been announced so far is a Halo sequel, it's, 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 it's way too early to say. And, um, I, you know, I think that the consensus is essentially that, um, Microsoft's kind of, certainly Sony had a leg up in, in this last generation. So with the, with the PS4. So, you know, it certainly makes sense that, that Microsoft's trying to get out ahead of this thing. Well then, uh, what were some of the game specific highlights for you? This is an area I know absolutely nothing. About. <laughs> what were the, what were the, the big hits or the announcements that for, for games that got people's heads turned? Uh, the, 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 there were a lot of them for, 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 for different reasons. I mean, you know, that, um, Avengers was a really it was was a weird one. Um, always always a bad sign. Like that was going to be Ubisoft's biggest title of the event, and it's always a, uh, a a really bad sign when you don't see any actual gameplay. And I think it's scheduled to come out, mm. I think, later this year. So that's always kind of a a rough sign. Um, I I spent some time at the Nintendo booth, which I mentioned before. So um, the I'm old, so the one that kind of really excited me was the uh, the Link's Awakening reissue, which is essentially it was the first. I think it was the first. Um, yeah, it was, it was the first Zelda title for Game Boy. They're doing a, a complete reissue, and it looks it, it looks really terrific for the Switch. So um, that should be coming out toward the end of the year. Um, the uh, Cyberpunk 27. 2077 got a standing ovation mostly because Keanu came out right, on stage. Right. That's, that's very exciting for people. That looks very cool. The, the, the watchdogs trailer was, was really impressive. Um, I think that took a lot of people by surprise. The ability to, um, play as a, an insane number of characters was, it was a big hit at the event. Uh, what, what was, what is Guiji? <laughs> well, obviously, uh, <laughs> is a, a goo based version of, Luigi that um, uh, appears to okay so we so so there's a new Luigi's Mansion game I think it's a third <laughs> Luigi's Mansion that's coming out um, which is Luigi and on house uh, we spent time playing it. it it's it, it's a lot of fun as just about every Mario tour is and, and Mario game is and the um, the big innovation here is a uh, gelatinous version of Luigi that appears to either emanate from, I, I can't say for sure whether it's his weird Ghostbusters vacuum or actually from inside of Luigi. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like if you took a, a, a Luigi shaped jello mold and made, green jello out of it it would look like luigi and he's able to kind of um to get to things and do things that that regular uh man luigi is not able to 
That sounds like something that I need to actually see the images of to even have a chance of grokking. But okay. I, exactly. I sort of. I sort of sounds like it, it. It's exactly like sounds like it's um. It's like Secret of the Ooze meets Luigi. That, does that paint a picture? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you have to do it. Like that Hollywood thing of it's like it's like speed. It's like Die Hard, but you know, in a in a kindergarten class or something. You know. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for gamefully trying to uh, describe that, but also wrapping up E3 for us, Brian. No problem. 